Well, we are going to continue our fellowship from this morning on the matter, the wonderful matter of the Passover. In Exodus 12:13, part of it says, "When I see the blood." I will pass over you. So we need to uh, put the Passover in the context of the story of Exodus. Uh, we've seen through the week that uh, God wanted to set his people free from the bondage, slavery and usurpation of Egypt. Bondage, slavery and usurpation. Uh, Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. Despite the fact that they had been there so long, in the world for so long, they were still God's people. And God wanted them to be for His purpose, not for Pharaoh's purpose. So we see, we've seen from the story that He raised up Moses to rescue his people from Pharaoh, from Egypt. And we saw uh, how uh, Moses, on behalf of Jehovah, went again and again and again to Pharaoh. And every time Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. He denied Jehovah's existence. He uh, bargained, subtly bargained with, the, with, with Moses. He made the children of Israel serve with more harshness. And eventually God had to send, start to send, plague, plague after plague. Judgment after judgment. But this was God's merciful judgment on Egypt to show the Egyptians and to show His people what life in the world is really like. So eventually we, came, we come to this 12th conflict between Jehovah and Pharaoh. 12th conflict and 10th plague. Uh, so let us look at some verses in Exodus chapter 11. Do, 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 
And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Then Jehovah said to Moses, One more plague will I bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man is to ask of his neighbor and each woman of her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. And then verses 4 and 5. And Moses said, Thus says Jehovah, About midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. All the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits upon his throne, to the firstborn of the female slave who is behind the millstones, and the firstborn of all the cattle. So this was Jehovah's final, ultimate judgment on Egypt. Not just the picture of death in the first plague, but actual death, the killing of the firstborn, finally subduing Pharaoh and setting God's people free. Hallelujah. So we need to see tonight that God's judgment is on Egypt. And the sentence is death. Pharaoh's world system is under God's judgment. If you are part of that world system, you are under God's judgment. And the final result of that judgment is death. So if we are in the world, if we are part of the world, we are under that judgment. But praise the Lord. I hope we saw very clearly this morning that God has a way to rescue us, to take care of God's righteous judgment and to set us free. Uh, we read this morning 1 Peter uh, 1, 18 and 19 on your verse sheet. So I'll just read part of it again. You were redeemed from your vain manner of life. Handed down from your fathers. 
No, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things. But with precious blood. I hope tonight the blood is precious to us. We would never read this verse again in a light way. With, with precious blood as of a lamb. Without blemish and without spot. The blood of Christ. Well, I just wanted to make one little comment here. What is the, a vain manner of life? Anything that is not for God's economy and God's move is a vain manner of life. If I study medicine apart from God and His economy, vain manner of life. If I become the president of a country apart from God and His economy, it's a vain manner of life. If I give myself to world peace, green peace, any peace, Middle East peace, apart from God and His economy, that's a vain manner of life. So we need to, first of all, get out of Egypt. And then give ourselves to follow the Lamb wherever He may go. That doesn't mean we don't do these other things. But we are not serving Pharaoh. We are serving our Savior. Amen. Okay, let's again read uh, Roman 1 on the outline. Okay, let's read it. Go. The detailed... Okay, and then let's read two. The Passover is a type of Christ, who is not only the Passover lamb, but also every aspect of the Passover. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, on your verse sheet, it says, Our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. Our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. So we're going to read through the account and really see and appreciate our Lord Jesus is our real Passover. Every detail of the Passover can be applied to our wonderful Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Jesus is our Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see you in Him, I see my Son. I see the blood. 
and judgment passes over you. Amen. Okay, well, let's just start going through the outline and we'll refer, if you can have your Bible open in Exodus chapter 12. Okay, and how about we do this? Well, let's read uh, the verses. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1. Then Jehovah spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying... Okay, verses 2 and 3. This month will be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first of months of the year to you. Speak to all the assembly of Israel, saying on the tenth of this month, each man shall take a lamb according to his father's house. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor next to his house shall take one according to the number of the persons in the houses, according to each man's eating, you shall make your count for the lamb. So on A it says, on the day we believed in Christ, we had a new birth, a new beginning. And our age according to the sacred calendar began. So there was a secular calendar in Israel. When God instituted, when God began the Passover, He said the seventh month is now the first month. The month of the Passover is the first month. Signifying a new beginning. When we take Christ as our Passover sacrifice, we have a new beginning with God. A new beginning. The ones that were baptized this afternoon. A new beginning. Forgetting the things which are behind. Right? Stretching forward to the things which are before. And the word for the, uh, the name of this uh, first month was Abib. Abib. Meaning sprouting or green. Signifying a fresh new start with the Lord. Okay, let's read B together. Amen. So the Lamb being for every house reveals that the unit of God's salvation is the house, the family. So some of the verses here, some of the verses here, uh, Luke 19. The Lord Jesus came into a town and told the tax collector 
the tax collector Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house. Sometimes the Lord picks one in a household with a view to gaining that entire house. Acts 16 is the story of the Philippian jailer. Not, not a nice man. He beat up and imprisoned the Apostle Paul and si- Apostles Paul and Silas. But God rescued them. And then the Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. But Paul prevented him. And the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Paul's answer was, believe in the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you and your household shall be saved. In Acts chapter 10, it's recorded the uh, case of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And Peter came to his house. And in that house he had assembled about 50 of his neighbors and friends. So these stories and this uh, ordinance about the household shows us how great a salvation our Lord Jesus is. His salvation is so great, so big, that it's just not enough for me and you to be saved. God desires all men to be saved. His unit of salvation is the household. Everyone in our house. Everyone in our house. Our neighbors. Our friends. Our classmates. Our workmates. Our acquaintances. The lamb is big enough to feed everyone. The Lamb is great enough to save everyone. We saw this morning the price the Lord paid. When He said, it is finished, that meant He had accomplished a redemption for all mankind. Our God is so great, so merciful, so kind, so loving. He wants to give everyone this salvation. The Lamb can feed everyone. So we need to have His heart. We need to match, in a sense, His generosity. The Lamb that we are enjoying in the house. We need to invite our neighbors. And our friends. Come and dine with me. Come and eat with me. Right? Come and see. 
Our gospel message can be as simple as come and see. Just come and see. Come, come to my home meeting. Come to my little Bible study. Come to my room and read the Bible with me. I've mentioned this camp before. I've mentioned in the camp before. My best friend got saved that way. Just, just come into my come into my room and let's let's talk about the Lamb of God. I'd like to tell you another story. Uh, a young man on the campus at uh, at the university that I serve at. His name is Anthony Tabbitt. Some from Long Beach know Anthony Tabbitt. Well, he, uh, sh- he came to our Bible study when he was a freshman. And actually, I think, no, we covered Exodus later, but uh, the Bible study material that we were enjoying week by week, he took home and he shared with his mother and his sister. Just brought home the sheet and they would read it together at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. And they would talk and they would talk and they would fellowship. Well, eventually his mother got saved. Then his sister got saved. And then he said to some of the brothers, can you please come to my house and read the Bible with my family? So one day I arrived at his house with my Bible. I walked into a room and I thought, I am in the house of Cornelius. His father, his mother, his sister, his aunt, his uncle, his cousin, another uncle, another aunt, and they're all sitting there with their Bibles. What will you share with us? Share a, tell us about God's Word. They were Lebanese, they're Lebanese. And they have all grown up in a religion, in a religion. But just then, little by little by little, the aunt and uncle saved. Another aunt and uncle saved. And, and the numbers are just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, his mother has four or five sisters. Anthony's grandparents, we went to their grandparents' house. The last Bible study, we went to the other side of the family, to his, par- his father's brother and wa- wife and cousin. His mother is now baptized in the church. They have Bible studies themselves. They, just every single week, they have Bible studies in their house. So this is just an illustration. When we talk to one person, 
There's a whole household, a whole family behind that person. God's salvation is big enough for the whole house. The fire of God's salvation is spreading in that family. And, and it's just, it's, it's beautiful to see. I was there when one of Anthony's mother's sister said about Anthony's mother. She is different. She used to curse and complain and was anxious about everything. Now she just smiles and blesses everyone she sees. She's just happy. In fact, she's sometimes too much. Anthony's like, Mom, you're too much. Be quiet. Because when, when I come, she's, or some of the other brothers come, lots and lots of questions and questions. So we should ask the Lord, Lord, how about my family? How about my neighbors? Last year at the end of the camp, we, 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 uh, we, uh, we encouraged you to invite your friends to come to the camp. And I believe this year we have some friends at the camp. Is that right? If you brought a friend this year, could you stand up with your friend? Don't be shy. If you brought a friend this year, stand up with your friend. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, very good. Thank you. Well, we hope next year more neighbors and friends who we've invited into our home, who we've shared a little bit of the lamb that we have enjoyed. Later on in the outline, it talks about applying God's salvation with a little bunch of hyssop, a little herb, a little herb. Signifying our little faith. Little faith. But that's all it takes. And in the life study, Brother Lee says that if, we, that if a person even says, Lord, thank you for dying for me. That's enough. That's enough. That's all it takes. If we could go back to our family and friends and tell them about what the Lord Jesus did for them. We just tell the story. We just tell the story. What this man went through for us. And if we can even help them say, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. They will get saved. Even to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
It's really easy to get people to say, thank you, Lord. We, we just tell them how wonderful, how lovely, how kind, how sweet the Lord Jesus is. And we just say, wouldn't you like to just say, thank you, Lord? I have, I have met many, many, many people who, you know, they don't want to pray, right? They don't want to pray. But they're happy to say, thank you, Lord. And you know what? They're saved. The Lord gets in. They may not realize, but we realize. And we don't know what the Lord can do with that. But we just are faithful to share our lamb with them. Okay, one other application related to this matter of the house. The house is not only our literal, physical household, our family. But the house is also the church life. The church life. What is the house? The house is where the blood is sprinkled at the entrance. To enter into Christ, to enter into Christ, to enter into the church life, we enter through the, the, the gateway of the sprinkled blood of the Lamb. And if we look at the, um, at the picture, so we'll, I think we'll read on a little bit more and we'll come back to this point. Let's read uh, 7 and 8 of, verse, of chapter 12. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Can you read verse 8? Okay, and then we're going to go to verse uh, 23. Okay, let's read it together. Verse 23, For Jehovah will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two, two doorposts, Jehovah will pass over the entrance and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. So it is not only or not merely that the angel sees the sprinkled blood, but that the people are inside the house. While God's judgment is, is covering Israel, covering Egypt, when God's final plague of death is, is going everywhere in the land, 
The children of Israel were in the house feasting on the lamb. So this is where we belong, young people, saints. We belong in the house. The house typifies Christ. And the house typifies the church life. If we want to be saved from the world's judgment, the world's influence, if we want to be supplied for our, our journey out of Egypt, if we want to be the Nazarites, if we want to be the army that marches out of Egypt, we need to be in the church life. And that doesn't mean necessarily a big church life. The church life could literally be our house, our actual house, with our family. I, I live in California in Long Beach. Uh, the church there is maybe 180, 200 people with many other churches nearby. But I came into the church in Dublin, Ireland. And when I came in, six or seven students on, meeting on a Sunday morning No elders, no couples, no families, just college students loving the Lord, feasting on the Lamb every Lord's Day. We had a sweet, sweet church life. I had been in a big denomination. But then I saw the truth of the church. And that denomination had everything. Lots and lots of people, elders, couples, music ministry, pastor, tape ministry, everything. It had everything. But I saw the truth of the church. One church, one city, one church. No name. And I began to meet in a house with six or seven students. So even if you go away for, to college, perhaps you could be the beginning of a little church life. In your dorm room. In your apartment, in your bed sit, bed sit, like one, you know, one roomed, it's all, you know. Actually, that's how the church in Dublin began. A high school sister coming to Dublin. And for a number of years, we just met in her bed sit. So regardless if it's a big church, a little church, a meeting hall or a little room, 
We are preserved. We are protected. We are fed and we are supplied. In the house. In the church life. Amen? Amen. And then just one other thing. You know, even if you're on your own, if you're on your own, you can communicate with other brothers and sisters. Use Skype. Use, you know, the, we've already talked much about how evil the Internet is. Well, we need to use it for God's economy. We use the provision of something like Skype to, keep, to have fellowship. So we're in a little town somewhere in Poland. A little place somewhere away from the saints. But every week we have fellowship over Skype. We read the Bible. I've mentioned this before. A brother from Germany that we contacted maybe eight years ago. I still have a morning revival with him every week over Skype. He still hasn't come into the church life. But we just keep feeding him the ministry, reading the Bible with him, praying for him. When we met him, he was a single man. Now he's married with two children. And we are hoping that family one day will come into the church life. Amen? Okay, let's uh, go on on the outline here. Okay, can we read C? Let's read it together. Okay, so we saw that very clearly this morning. The Lord Jesus was examined by all manner of men for four days. No blemish, no spot, no fault, perfect. The Lamb of God was perfect. Okay, D. For the Lamb to be of the first year reveals that in the eyes of God, when the Lord Jesus was put on the cross, He was fresh, never having been used for another purpose. Because He was for God and God alone. Saints, we can have the same experience. All of us have been used for another purpose. All of us have been used. But when we contact the Lord Jesus, we contact the fresh one, the never having been used one. And we too can have this experience. I am for God and God alone. I am not to be used for anything or anyone else. 
Instead of having a vain manner of life, we have a life full of meaning. Okay, let's read E. Just as the Lamb was killed by the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, so we all had a part in the killing of the Lamb of God. I think that was clear this morning. We all had a part in killing the Lamb of God. Okay, let's read F together. Just as the flesh of the... Okay, let us read together uh, verses 8 through 10 of Exodus 12. Okay, how about sisters on 8, brothers 9, everyone on 10. And they shall eat, sisters, strongly. Okay, could we just read it one more time, sisters, a little bit more strongly? Okay, brothers, do not eat any of it. Inward parts and together. And you shall not let any of it remain until the morning, but any of that remains until the morning, you shall burn with fire. Okay, these, these points are full of significance. Okay. F says, just as the flesh of the Passover lamb was to be eaten for life supply, so we need to eat Christ for our life supply. So we see in the picture of the uh, Passover. It was not merely that they sprinkled the blood over the doorposts. It was not merely that they were in the house. But that they were feasting. That they were eating the flesh of the Lamb. The flesh of the Lamb signifies Christ's crucified and resurrected life. The flesh of the Lamb is the supply, is the means, is the way that we walk out of Egypt. If we don't eat, we can never leave. If we don't eat, we will never grow. If we don't eat, we can never be formed into the army. If we don't eat, we will never be today's Nazarites. Eating is the way. Eating is the way. So the secret to overcoming the world, the secret to having a heart for God and His economy, the secret to not loving the world, 
Overcoming besetting sin. Dealing with all manner of problems. The secret is to eat the flesh of the Lamb. Not just individually, but corporately. The, the, the eating of the Lamb is a corporate feast. So you know, every Lord's Day in the churches, in the ch- local churches, every Lord's Day, following the Lord's ordinance of the Last Supper, we have the Lord's table. The Lord's table. And the bread and the wine on that table signify the body and blood of the Lord Jesus shed for us, shed for me. And all of us are gathered around that table with Him. He's there. And as we eat and as we drink, as we remember what He did for us, as we declare His his all-inclusive death to the universe, we are fed, we are encouraged, we're supplied, we have the way to go on another week. And do you know who else is fed and supplied and encouraged? The Lord Jesus Himself. Because when we eat the bread and the wine, we are telling the Lord, Lord, I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. Apart from You. Lord, You're my exiting Exiting supply. You know, as some of the verses in our verse sheet, let's turn to John chapter 6. At the bottom of the first page. Let's read John 6.53 together. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the bread of life within yourselves, if you don't eat the, the if you don't eat the flesh and drink the blood, you don't have the life. You don't have the overcoming life. You don't have the Nazarite life. You don't have a way. So I would just encourage us all. Never miss the Lord's table. That's the that's the the picture of being in the house feasting on the Lamb of God. The children of Israel were able to leave. Because they ate the flesh of the Lamb of God. And then verse 57 together. Well, let's read 56. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. How do you abide in the house? How do you stay in the house? How do you stay safely in the house? Hidden in the house. Safe from God's judgment. Safe from the worldly influence. How do you remain joined to the other members of the household? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. I can just tell you, I love the Lord's day. I love coming to be with the saints on the Lord's day. I can't wait to come and hear what others have enjoyed of the Lord, the Christ that they have enjoyed, the Christ that they have prepared, the Christ they put on the table for us to feast. After you taste that, you never want to miss it again. So we need to cultivate, develop a, 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 a taste for feasting in the house, with the household. And it starts with our personal eating and drinking of the Lord every day. But just eating and drinking the Lord every day by ourselves is not sufficient. The children of Israel left Egypt by their armies. Everybody went out. Don't think you can get out by yourself. You need to be in the house. You need to be part of the army. Then we all leave together. We all leave together. All the saints in this room leave together. Young and old. From the little, little one to the, the oldest one. We need to be in our family, our church life family, feasting together and leaving Egypt together. Amen. Okay, go back to the outline. Okay, one and two. To solve the problem of the fall of man and to accomplish God's original intention, both life and redemption are needed. Both life and redemption. The blood and the flesh. The blood is for our redemption. The flesh of the Lamb is our life to live our Christian life. We need to eat Jesus. need to eat Jesus. Okay, let's read two. God's judicial redemption through the blood of Christ is the procedure to reach God's goal of dispensing Christ as life into us for our organic salvation. In a simple way, in a simple way, we apply the blood. The blood ushers us in to the presence of Christ. The blood is our boldness for entering the Holy of Holies where we can feast 
on the Lamb of God. And we have this, the supply to live the Christian life. Okay, G. The flesh of the Lamb was to be roasted with fire and was not to be eaten, raw or boiled. Sisters one, brothers two. Brothers two. Amen. And let's read three together. To be eaten boiled signifies regarding his death on the cross, not as death for redemption. I think this, I think this morning we saw how the Lord on the cross was roasted by God's holy fire of judgment. The first three hours on the cross was his martyrdom, his persecution by man. But then... Then the judgment of the Father came upon him for the next three hours. He was roasted with the fire of the lake of fire for us. So this is how we take our Christ. Not, not uh, eaten raw. No one would, we would never dream of doing that. But that is to imitate the Lord. That's to try and be like the Lord. But without eating the Lord. As, as the roasted lamb of God. If we just say, well, well, what would Jesus do? Or if we just try to be better people. We just try to be a good church kid. A good Christian. But we don't take in the life supply of the Lord Jesus. As the roasted Lamb of God. The processed Lamb of God. It's like eating the lamb raw. And actually, I think to eat lamb raw would probably make you very sick eventually. So if you just try to imitate, eventually you'll get sick of it. You'll get tired of it. You'll just say, I give up. I, I can't do this. I can't make it. I can't take it. So let me just say a little thing, my, my own personal testimony. Sometimes, you know, I get, if I find that I'm getting a little bit kind of low, or, or discouraged, or discouraged, I don't know if I can keep doing this church life. Right away I have a kind of a little check. 
Michael, how's your eating? How's your Bible? Michael, how's your eating? How's your Bible reading? How's your prayer life? How's your feasting on the Lord? And almost without exception. Oh, I didn't have morning revival for two or three days. Sorry. I didn't open my Bible for two or three days. And right away I'm not feeding. I'm not feeding. And I'm losing my, my supply to go this way. So anytime any of us feel like this, we, we find that other things are coming in again, coming in again, coming in again. Things we'd repented of. Things we thought we had left behind. How's your eating of the Lamb of God? Okay, let's read I together. Oh, I'm sorry, let's read H together. The children of Israel were to eat the lamb with its head, legs, and inwards, signifying we must take Christ in his entirety with his wisdom, his activity and move, and his inward affection and feeling. Now, this is a lovely point. This is a wonderful point. They just didn't eat the nice, tasty, roasted meat of the lamb. They had to eat the head. They had to eat the inward parts. The liver. The kidneys. They had to eat the legs. They had to eat the entire lamb. Well, what does this signify? It signifies that we need to take Christ in His entirety. So, Lord, I'll take your salvation. Thank you very much. But this part about giving up the world, maybe not. Or renouncing sin. Or reading my Bible. Well, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. But I, I really, you know, I don't really want to read my Bible. No, we take Christ in His entirety. A word that the Lord speaks to me very often. Michael, obedience is better than sacrifice. But Lord, I do this for you. I do that for you. I serve full time. I serve in the church. I serve in the training. I serve on the campus. And the Lord says, well, you need to take me in my entirety. Actually, obedience is more important than sacrifice. And you don't obey me. So we take the Lord in His entirety. We take the whole thing. We take it all. We take the church life. You know, well, you know, I like the home meetings. I love the home meetings. But the prayer meeting, boring. All those old people praying for Europe. 
Oh, the Lord's moved to South America. I don't, I don't live in South America. What do I care about South America? What about I care about the church in this place or that place? And it's long as well. Well, the church life is a life in its entirety. The church life is not just the home meetings. The church life is not just the nice young people's meeting on a Friday or Saturday night. The church life is a fighting life. An eating and feasting life. A journeying life. A gospel preaching life. A migrating life. Oh, I just like to stay here my whole life. I grew up in this place. I love this place. Move for God's economy? No way. Well, the lamb in its entirety. We take it all. Tuesday night prayer meeting. Young Nazarites learn to fight. Warfare. Prayer warfare. This age, the enemy will not be defeated without prayer. Young people, you cannot know how much prayer there has been for this camp. For you to see the world situation. For you to have a breakthrough. For you to renounce Satan. For you to choose to be Nazarites. Desperate, heavy, fighting prayer. Not just here in the camp, but over the whole earth, saints are praying for this camp. Over the whole earth, Saints are praying for the Lord's move to Europe. But where is the next generation who will learn to pray in the prayer meeting of the church? Don't just take the lamb on your terms. Take the lamb in his entirety. The prayer meeting of the church. The Lord's table meeting when you feast with the other saints. The home meetings of the church. The gospel move of the church. The migrations of the church. The following the ministry of the age. The brothers say this, we say amen. The brothers say that, we say amen. The brothers want us to go here, we go. Okay, amen? The, the lamb in its entirety. And then very quickly, the head. The wisdom of the Lord. When you leave the camp and you go back to your real world situation. Lord, what do I do now? Lord, what do I do now? Lord, be my wisdom. I eat your head. Believe me, this works. 
You don't know what to do. Don't ask your friends. Ask the Lord. Lord, what's your mind? What do you think about this matter? Should I go this place with my friends? Oh, what would Jesus do? No. Lord, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to read your Bible. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you for wisdom. And as you feed on the lamb, the wisdom will come. The inward parts, the heart, the feeling of the Lord, the feeling for our unsaved friends, the feeling for the gospel, the feeling for people not like us. The Lord's feeling concerning the world and sin. The Lord's feeling concerning the meetings of the church. And then the legs. The legs. To stand for the Lord. The legs to follow the Lord wherever He may go. The legs, the strength to journey out of the world that holds us so strongly. Impossible to have the strength to move unless we eat the lamb. Okay, let's read I. The lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs signifying to eliminate all sinful things and to have a bitter taste regarding them. Okay? We'll see at the end of the outline. Unleavened bread. No sin. No corruption. No evil. You can't eat the lamb and eat sinful, evil, corrupting things. If you try and take the lamb with leaven, if you try to mix a little bit of this oh, and a little bit of the lamb, it will not benefit you. And then you wonder, why? Well, well I read my Bible. How come I'm not any different? Be- Because you're eating something else as well. You're not eating the way the Lord has prescribed us to eat. Unleavened bread. Bitter herbs. Regret and repentance for our former manner of life. Okay? Is that clear? Amen? Okay. How do you eat the lamb? What do you eat the lamb with? Unleavened bread and... A little bit louder. Unleavened bread. Unleavened bread and bitter herbs. When you open your Bible next Monday morning. Amen. Next Sunday morning. Oh, I eat this. I eat this with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Otherwise, no benefit. No benefit. Or little benefit. Okay. 
uh, J. The children of Israel were not to break any bones of the Passover lamb. When the, when the Lord Jesus was crucified, his bones were not broken. Christ's unbroken bones signifies his unbreakable and indestructible eternal life that imparts his life into us. There is something unbreakable and indestructible in the life of our Lord Jesus. That's why the church has prevailed for 2,000 years against all manner of opposition. And the church will prevail. And we, and we will prevail if we eat this indestructible life. Okay? Okay, K. The children of Israel had to eat the lamb with their loins girded, with their shoes on their feet, and their staff in their hands and in haste. Okay, it's very obvious. Let's read the next point, one together. The eating of the lamb energizes us to move out of Egypt, the world. The, rede the redeemed ones applied the Passover in such a way that they could become God's army. God's army is formed by eating the flesh of the Passover lamb. You want to be part of this army? Eat Jesus. Eat Jesus in His Word, through prayer, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Okay? Now, let's read L. The blood of the lamb in a basin was applied to the lintel and two side posts of the house by a bunch of hyssop. Okay, brothers one, sisters two. <laughs> Sisters, two. Wonderful point. The blood was shed. His blood was poured out for us. It's available to us. But all we need to do is take a little herb, put it over the doorpost. It comes in a little bowl, a little bowl, and we just put it over the doorpost. It, only a little faith is all that is required. Sometimes we just, we don't feel like we can go on. Or what we've done, the sin is too great. No one can convince us otherwise. But the picture shows us just a little faith. In Matthew 17:20, here on the reference, if your faith is as big as a mustard seed, you can apply the blood. 
The blood cleanses us. The blood is our entrance into the house. Back into the house. To feast on the Lamb. So saints, even if you have only a little faith, that's all it takes. And, it, and in saving our friends, like I already shared, saving our friends, just a little faith. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just work on your friends. Pray for them. Share with them your appreciation of the Lamb. Help them to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Saved. Into the house. Feasting with us. I think all of us can testify when our friends are saved. It's like we get saved all over again. Okay, there's not enough time. We have to go on. Uh, M. Christ is not only the lamb, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs, but also the house whose lintel and doorposts had been sprinkled with the redeeming blood. Okay, let's read. One, the blood opens the way for us to get into Christ, who is typified by the house and protects us from God's judgment. So we have to be in the house. We have to be in the house. That means we have to be in Christ and we have to be in the church life. The blood affords, affords us an entryway. The children of Israel too were required to stay in the house whose door had been touched with the blood. They were not to go out until out of it until morning. We should maintain our identification with Christ with a constant realization that we are nothing and that He is everything. I'm sorry, it's point uh, uh, 2A. We should maintain our identification with Christ. You don't have it, Okay. And then be the redeeming blood. Okay, we should maintain. Powinniśmy zachowywać nasze utożsamienie z Chrystusem z nieustanną świadomością, że jesteśmy, my jesteśmy niczym, a On jest wszystkim. And be. The redeeming blood keeps us in Christ. Odkupieńcza krew zachowuje nas w Chrystusie. Okay, so we need to stay one with Christ. If we're in the house feasting, we're one with Christ. If we're not in the house, we're outside the house. We're not in the house, we're outside. If we're not in Christ, we're outside the house. If we are not, if we're not in the house, we're outside of Christ. Under God's judgment. And under Satan's usurpation and bondage. We have to stay in the house. Okay, and the, there's a verse reference there. John 15, 5. Okay, let's read it together. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from the house you can do nothing. And John 6.53 says, John 6.56 says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So you need to put together John 15.5 and John 6.56. How do I stay one with the Lord? Because apart from Him I can do nothing. How do I stay one with the Lord when I go to school tomorrow morning? How do I stay one with the Lord when I'm with my worldly friends? How can I preach the gospel one with the Lord? Abide in me and I in you, he says. Well, John 6.56 says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's the secret to staying one with the Lord. That's the secret to staying in the house. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay, we have to finish. Okay, let's read three together. Let's stand up and read three. The children of Israel were to observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days as a continuation of the Feast of the Passover. Stay standing. Brothers on A. Amen. Sisters, B. And together on C. The entire Christian life signified by seven days from the day of our conversion to the day of rapture should be in a feast and enjoyment of Christ as our banquet, the rich supply of life. Amen. Okay, we can sit down. Thank you. So the feast of the Passover was one day, the first day, of the feast of unleavened bread, which lasted seven days. Seven days is a complete unit of time, signifying our entire Christian life. Our Christian life begins on the day of the Passover. When we are rescued out of Egypt. When we eat and drink the flesh and the blood of the Lamb. But then that feast needs to continue for another six days. And that means the rest of our Christian life. And it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. No leaven. No sin. And so the children of Israel, in order 
to keep feasting in order to keep enjoying in order to remain strong vigorous happy uh, motivated they had to get rid of all the leaven all the leaven now all of us have leaven all of us but the leaven that is manifested when the Lord says that's leaven we need to deal with it that's sinful you need to deal with it that's that's evil that's evil some of you are reading some very evil books books about vampires and relationships with vampires. Books about witchcraft and boy wizards. But I'm serious. I am serious. I don't want to be too light. Leaven. Corrupting, foul, evil, demonic, satanic, worldly, deadly leaven. It's death. You're reading death. You're feeding on death. Satanic death. Gross evil. Burn those books. Burn them. Burn them. Don't sell them. Don't give them away. Go somewhere where it's safe to light a fire. Go to the beach and burn them. Burn them. The tide of this age is satanic. This is leaven, young people. Evil, corrupt, foul movies. DVDs. Music. We're not telling you to, to not love the world. But we are saying that the way to enjoy the Christian life. If, you, if you've seen the picture this week. You've seen the picture. You've heard the call for the 21st century Nazarites. The Nazarites do not partake of the worldly supply. Nazarites do not read books about vampires. You're fooling yourself. No leaven. Okay? Our entire Christian life. Okay, let's stand up, read the focus, and we're done.